0: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. My name is Stephen Realston and I am back today after a little bit of time off on the podcast. I have been at work but not on the podcast. Um the days my days have fell. Um but Samuel, I'm back with you today. It's just me and you, a uh, two-hander on this podcast to dissect the final day of the season obviously on Sunday afternoon Manchester United defeated Fulham 2-1 in the end after a little setback in the first half and Sancho scored Fernandes scored to, to round off a quite a good afternoon actually so how are you you obviously in the press box uh, yesterday
1: yeah not bad thank you not bad uh, yeah as, as, as for the game as, as for the game itself, uh, if 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 you want me to continue talking about the game, Stephen, unless you've got a burning issue to uh, to, to well, you've you've got
0: my green light. That was that was just my uh, my first <laughs> question, really, Samuel. it was a very uplifting afternoon, wasn't it? Uh, coming back from that setback and then to have Tenog's speech and to end the season with a win—it's really positive, wasn't it?
1: it? It was. It was probably the most positive it's been at the the ground for for a decade since their their coronation day in the in, in the rain back in in twenty thirteen a couple of us went um pitch side in the hope of getting someone in the mix zone sooner rather than later uh, we, we we didn't get anyone <laughs> uh but we were we were by the tunnel as as they were doing their, their lap of honor or lap of appreciation and um you know, there, there was a lot of color gleaned from that just that the families waiting the the reception the players were getting the uh, just the feel-good atmosphere, really. I mean, as I said, in the last 10 years, there haven't been many occasions like that due to uh, a variety of, of issues. I think the fir- the last home game last season might even have been played. It, was, it might have been late April or early May against Brentford, and there were two more games left. And, of course, the penultimate game was that dreadful defeat at, at Brighton, and the season had been a, a write-off. By the time of that last home game, there's been the pandemic as well, so that restricted numbers even when A few thousand were let in for that Fulham game a couple of years ago and there have just been other seasons where it's been unsuccessful or in the case of in 2017 where it was quite uplifting with some of the young players uh, getting their debuts and Josh Harrop scoring. You had that uh, surreal Jose Mourinho non-press conference where he turned up. We weren't aware that he'd turned up really early. The few journalists that were in there inexplicably decided not to ask him a question and and he left so it was very different yesterday with with ten Hag doing that rousing address there was there was a dash of the tommy doherty about him ahead of an fa cup final and the the, the crowd really responded to that uh that there, there was a a genuine uh, and, and sustained um a, a attempt to still voice their um their opposition to to the glazer family's occupation there but when ten Hag spoke that's when it was more more harmonious and the, the mutineering ceased uh, for, for that point and it, it was it was pretty charming as well just seeing all these little, little tiny kids uh, running around with with daddy on the back of their shirts uh you know, trying to score a goal having a kick about um as i said it was it was a very harmonious uh, atmosphere there and it was, it was quite quite amusing obviously you're not you're not ear-wicking deliberately, but sometimes you can't help but hear kids, especially, when, when they're in such a enthusiastic mood. And Br- Bruno Fernandes' daughter, who's, I think she's only about six six or seven, and she's only lived in, in Manchester for three years, but she's already got a Union accent. <laughs> uh, Ca- Casemiro's little boy's got good ball control, albeit with his hands he was running off down the tunnel with with a football. And uh, anyone who's dealt with a toddler, if, if you're going out for a day or, or for a family outing, uh, on your checklist, a ball is as essential as, as nappies and, and milk, <laughs> really. So uh, it was, yeah, I, I think irrespective of the final result, because of the Cup final coming up, because they, they have had a successful season already, it was always going to end on, on quite a positive note. But they they got the job done yesterday in terms of banking those points to to finish third, which is is very good going, given the starter point of the season. I, I certainly didn't have United as, as finishing the top three.
0: Yeah, the noise when he was making the speech was great. That I was fantastic, and kind of the chance of United United coming through. It was a really, really nice way to end it at home. And they'd been brilliant at Old Trafford all season. It's been the highlight of the campaign, really, their the home form. In City at home, Arsenal at home, Liverpool at home. Um, great performances, so it was fitting to end the season with a, a nice home win. But obviously Samuel Fulham took the lead um, in the first half, I think it was the 17th minute or so, through Tete, uh, free header at that corner. And it could have been two, uh, if not for here. Yeah. Obviously Casemiro gave away the penalty, didn't he? A bit, of a, a bit of a clumsy challenge, and De Gea actually saves a penalty. <laughs> Could you believe it? Could you believe what you're watching? You've well, here for the first time since October 2014. Saves a penalty, so we're, you, were you shocked? At Old Trafford, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was,
1: it was as you say. Uh, since that, that was the first in nearly nearly nine years at Old Trafford. I, I couldn't believe it. And then uh, Match of the Day did did somewhat uh, disparage it when I think the commentator said that's now Mitrovic's fourth um, missed penalty of the season. <laughs> so it, even when De Gea makes a save it, from a penalty, it's against a guy who, uh, unbeknownst to me anyway at the time, has seemingly a dreadful penalty record. And I'm pretty sure Mitrovic might have missed against uh, Scotland when... when um, it was the the Euros playoff back in in twenty twenty. That might have been the decisive penalty kick. In in fact, I don't. I mean, you obviously watch him for Newcastle. I'm not sure if he had many penalties to take up there, but he's he's clearly not got a particularly good record. But nevertheless, it was it still had to be saved. Hey, went the right way, and th- there was a, a louder roar than you'd normally get. I think for penalty saves, especially in in a rather mundane game with little riding on it, and I think that was partly because the crowd couldn't quite believe De Gea had made that save so it's it's interesting timing as well ahead of a, a final where if it does go to penalties and given De Gea's record ordinarily you'd have you'd have been wondering it's j depending depending on the who the substitute keeper is would would Ten Hag actually take De Gea off and put a keeper on who who may actually be more entrusted with uh with in the in a penalty shootout environment but i think given that he's made that save yesterday it feels like that would be a stretch now if it, if it was to get to it but again i think anyone who saw the penalty shootout in the championship play-off final on on saturday it does feel like the standards of penalty shootouts is um is at an all-time high at the moment it seems very very rare that uh, a shootout, doesn't go into Put the ball
0: bed. in the Stretford ending in celebration and after the full-time whistle, he was obviously he did. presented yeah. with his Golden Glove Award. It's probably been a bit of a, a strange season for the Gea Samuel. I mean, he's come out at the end of it with the most clean sheets in the Premier League, more than Alisson, um, more than Edison, more than Nick Pope, who are the, the, the top goalkeepers at the moment at the top of the table. And yet, there's obviously... Scrutiny around his position is number one. We've saw mistakes against Sevilla or against West Ham. And we've talked about it at on this podcast about how limited he is with the ball at his feet and his, his distribution. Um, if that was going to be a send-off, it would be perfect, wouldn't it? But the chances are, obviously he's out of contract next month, but we're expecting um, a new deal for for David De Gea.
1: Yeah, that those are all the noises coming out from United, uh, be it off the record or on the record. Ten Hag has spoken about De Gea's situation a few times in, in, in the last few weeks and it's uh, it's not a particularly uh, stirring topic because, as I said, everyone expects him to, to sign a renewal, but when you're approaching the final month of your contract, there's always going to be an outside chance. Is this a send-off? Is, is, is this his last game at Old Trafford for United? He didn't conduct himself in a manner that suggested that was the case. I'm sure some people would have initially read too much into the fact that he was carrying his daughter out um, for for, for the, uh, the pre-match anthem, but that there are quite a few players this, sorry, last week who, who had their kids as, as mascots for the Chelsea game. I think Casemiro had both his children with him and uh, I think Raphael Varane might have had his son with him and, and yesterday Harry Maguire had his nephew and, and one of his daughters uh, he, was, he was holding their hands as he walked out. So that that happens quite a lot, uh, certainly towards the end of the season with with players, whether they're leaving or not. And the the assumption is is still that he will be at United next season, De Gea. And as I completely agree. It has been a peculiar season. I don't think anybody would have been will be nominating him. Sorry uh, to be in the team of the season either. Uh, he he has had a cu- a few games where he's been in match winning form for United, West Ham in the league. And in the FA Cup, they spring to mind. Leicester at home as well when he made two terrific stops from, I think it was Harvey Barnes and Kletchier and Nacho. Yeah, they might have both been at nil nil in, in a half where United were were dreadful and somehow 1-0 up at half-time. And then the second half, they were pretty clinical and, and won quite well. But for every one of those saves, there's there's the Brentford howler, there's the West Ham howler, there's the, the Sevilla howler. And, and beyond those mistakes... Uh, He's, as you said, his his limitations have been exposed on quite a number of occasions this season. It was amusing even yesterday that they had the free kick united inside their own third by the touchline, and Lindelof was hanging back as if to say, "Pass me the ball and we can play out from the back." And De Gea was was almost getting annoyed with him, saying, "Get up there! I'm hunting this." So, uh, some things there was definitely some things with De Gea that will not change for for the worse but there are other things that might that might not change for for the better and there, there have still been some games this season where he's, he's he's rolled back the years with with the saves that he's made
0: if i had to force you to give him a rating out of 10 samuel uh, for this season what would you give him i'll give you a second to think because mcguire came out in his interview with mutv he said "Quote oh, unquote, no, no. he had an amazing yeah. season and, and then obviously yeah, Roy Keane was in the Sky studio and he was saying, look, get rid of the hair. Um, I'd be more in the Keane camp yeah. and as you've just said, he still remains a, a very good <laughs> shot stopper. He's still a very decent shot stopper and we've saw that time and time again. But his all-around game has just not evolved with what the demands of a goalkeeper in, in 2023. And that's for me why this season probably should be his last, but it isn't as we've just discussed.
1: No, it probably won't be. I'd, I'd give him a 6 out of 10. I don't think he's had a bad season. I wouldn't necessarily say he's had a, a good season either. Yeah. And that that Golden Glove award, I mean, Keane obviously didn't like it, which is very on brand for him, that United had a, a picture of it. But I actually think the team photo, maybe that was more reflective that it was a, yeah. a collective effort rather than an individual one. And... Some of those individual rewards now are ridiculous. Like, there's a playmaker of the year award, which I presume is for the number of assists you get. I take it.
0: Which it's just. What it's, about it's XG, G, like Samuel? What about it's, it's for it's who's trying to racked make up football. the most XG? That would be, oh, Jesus, that yeah. would be a brilliant that's, that's gonna award. That's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, that,
1: that is going to happen. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Ty Ty mentioned yeah. XG uh, in the press room yesterday talking about some nonsense or other. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it wasn't. To, to, to be honest to Ty, and, and and I could say this because others <laughs> said it as well, but it, it wasn't the dullest thing he said when he was uh, suggesting an angle for an interviewee that we've we've got one of the players this week about uh, a two-legged cup final. And it was, it was like he'd... Um, I don't know whether he'd uh, recalibrate himself. See Tyrone Tyron can't I, I, defend himself. I don't himself. know we'll what have to he give was him a thinking.
0: Response on Friday later in the week.
1: <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I I won't be on I won't be on the podcast next week as I'll be off, but you you need to um you need to ask him about the the two legged final Excellent. angle and see whether he uh, still remembers what he was talking about. Um so yeah, I I'd give I'd give to Harris 6. But I did I did say that come from Maguire, but Maguire is He's, he's quite a dependable talker for United because he's going to tow the company line. But, I mean, I, I did feel for him a bit. There was a there was a story on the official website or, or the app last week where it said, Maguire reviews the season. You just think, like, of all the people to choose. Yeah, OK, I suppose he had a good seat to watch most of it, but... You're just you're you're really setting yourselves up for the fall with things like that. We'll come
0: on uh, to Maguire a bit actually in the second part, but we'll uh, we'll discuss Fred to begin with in the second part. Sammy. we'll leave it there for part one, and we'll be back in a moment for part two. Fred was uh, <laughs> an interesting performance, Samuel. It was very Fred, wasn't it? We talked about Keane being on brand, but I mean that was a very Fred performance. Yeah. We, We've called him a bit of a, a negro on this podcast. Some, <laughs> he goes from the brilliant, the sublime to the absolute disastrous Sometimes we saw that at Barcelona at the new Camp, where he was quite poor, and all of a sudden he burst into life and he had a good game. And it was a bit like that yesterday. Um, yeah. Very poor, very poor in the first half. Obviously, kind of, I think he got. Noted down officially for that assist for Sancho, but it kind of ricocheted off him and went through, didn't it, uh, for Sancho to poke in. But in the second half, he comes through, he receives that ball, and to have the vision and to execute that pass, the reverse pass to Fernandez, it was, it was fantastic. And I think everyone kind of gasped, all the supporters in all Drafat. Um, and a great finish from Fernandez as well, but that's kind of Fred in a nutshell, isn't it, really, that, that whole passage in that 50 minutes, 60 minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was unfortunately with certain Brazilian footballers, they have a name which is just not as exotic as the the great names of Zico, Socrates, Pele, Rivaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. You know, you think of those names, you think, well, they must be great. When you're called Fred, and sometimes he just lives up to that name or that shortened version of his name. He he was he was absolutely abysmal for 54 minutes yesterday. Then he gets that the ball there, and he the the pass for me it trumped the the goal and it was a quite a nicely taken goal as well by fernandez the way he just dinked it over leno but it was a great pass and that that salvaged his performance and he is he is such a strange player because he can have these absolutely brilliant games and uh, overall he's actually been a pretty decent signing for united but then he has certain games where you just think he can't pass, he can't tackle, he can't shoot. Like he, it's like he literally cannot do anything. Um, so he blows the hottest of hots and the the coldest of colds. And yesterday it was it was almost identical to the Barcelona game in that I think it was around about the same time that he he played the ball in for Rashford to to equalise at Camp Nou. It was fifty something minutes, I think, quite early in the second half, and. Really, looking at his starter role yesterday, I don't think anybody was surprised that he started because you sense that Ericsson would be taken out of the team to give him a breather, given the the Thursday-Sunday schedule, which you you have to manage more carefully with with players of a certain age and certain conditioning, and there are times this season where Ericsson should have been rested and, and he wasn't, and... That, that did that did contribute to him uh, have been been sidelined for quite some time. Uh, in that he should never have been playing against Reading in that FA Cup game where where Andy Carroll injured him. And really, I think with with certain recalls yesterday, in the case of Garnacho, it was getting him up to speed. He's not quite ready for ninety minutes. That was mainly rotation. With Fred, you do sense that ten Hart That was possibly a warm up act for the cup final because he did start against City in January. He starts in the League Cup final and started both games against Barcelona, started away at Anfield as well. He he has started in a lot of big games this season. And when you're coming up against the best team in the world, I think there are there is going to have to be an alteration there of some sort from United to, to counter City. And it worked reasonably well in January when Fred came into the team and Eriksen pushed higher up. And although they're at risk of showing their, their hand there and, and City have evolved as as a team their defence that day in in January it had it had João Cancelo in it Kyle Walker started and then about two months later you've got Pep Guardiola saying Kyle Walker can't play in this in this new formation that City have settled into and United are going to have to have some sort of a tweak there uh but whatever it is you feel as though they they've got to have Fred in there being energetic and 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 trying to get them higher up the pitch aid the pressing uh, they they can't just depend on Fernandez, who's pretty good at pressing. They need someone else to supplement him. And with Fred, I think the advantage is, and you saw it yesterday. Casemiro was very very happy just to take a back seat there. And they've got a good they've got a good understanding, both being Brazilian, both uh, teammates in the national team. So it, it would seem to be the way forward. It's it's not it's far from a guarantee that it's going to tame city or um, give United the advantage in the final I don't think anybody's suggesting that whatsoever but you have to play the percentages sometimes and often it's the case that the the best players don't always make for the best team there'll be far more talented players than Fred potentially at Wembley who will be sat on the bench but for the balance of the team and the quality of the opponent I, I would argue he's actually essential. And the irony is, it could be his last... It could of be
0: his last car. period in Total Trafford, that's what I was going to say. I mean, there was a little footage, wasn't there, of um, having a chat with Marco Silva outside the car park, Samuel, and then you rode the line today. Obviously, that Fulham are indeed interested uh, in making, a, making an offer for Fred this summer. So for anyone who hasn't saw that, as usual, but they should have, obviously, Samuel, <laughs> can you give her a brief, a brief update on that? <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I was sent that video last night and I forwarded it onto a contact and they confirmed that that, had, that is already in the works or it's at least been suggested to United as as an option because it's it's quite common knowledge that United want a midfielder but they also are going to have to make room for that midfielder so that means selling one. You're not going to sell Casemiro, you're not going to sell Christian Eriksson So it's always been one of McTominay and Fred. And I remember when I I did a piece, I think it was last month, about the players United should sell. There were two positions where I actually put, you know, it should be this one or that one. And for midfield, it was McTominay or Fred because although McTominay's had some interest from Newcastle, he's, he's the youngest midfielder at United. He's the youngest senior midfielder. And United haven't actually provisionally planned to sell him either. Whereas with Fred you have probably rinsed all you can out of him during his time at the club. He's been there for five years. He's just turned 30 and he's out of contract next year. But his resale value is still pretty good. I mean, they're going to make a loss on Fred, but they they spent £52 million pounds on him five years ago. They were never going to make a profit on him anyway. If they can make £20 million pounds on him, which I don't think is beyond the realms of of possibility, especially if he does start an FA Cup final. So his stock is still going to be quite high. Brazil international, played for Man United for five years. I, I think that's the sensible way forward. And then you can absolutely, you've got the leverage and you've also got part of the finance to sign a younger and better midfielder. So I think for all parties, it makes... Infinite sense. As soon as I saw that that video of Silver and and Fred, I thought, well, that would make that, that that stacks up really. I mean, Fulham have signed quite a few Portuguese speakers in the last year. I think Paulinha, uh, Andres Pereira was was bought from United uh, for for a reasonable fee as well. Um, even though he had he had barely played for the club in in the last in, in his last couple of years when he was attached to them, he'd, he'd been loaned out and the, the loans hadn't been particularly successful. I think is it Carlos Vinicius? He went there, and, and William has been a really good signing for Fulham as well. So Fulham have had some reasonable success. Well, actually, very good success. I'd say. I think Paulinho has been a very good uh, signing uh, by them. So they've had good success with this, you know, rebranding the team with with Portuguese speakers, and of course the coach is is Portuguese as well. And playing for Fulham, as you've seen with with Mitrovic, even if you you get relegated. There's st- there are still perks of playing for Fulham because it's London living. It's a beautiful part of London. I don't think Fulham will go down next season. They've they've stopped that yo-yoing. So it 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 would appeal to Fred. I think on a on a professional level. It and almost seems too level, good to be true for all parties, uh, doesn't it? For him to make that it move. It
0: does to everyone, as you just said. It does. Well,
1: yeah. The- I think yeah. It it seems like it is. If it doesn't happen now, <laughs> then it w- it would be a failure on on someone's part. Um, even though we're possibly um, yeah. running before we we can we can walk with with this deal, but absolutely, I I think that I mean United will be prepared. They they'll know which midfield or midfielders are retainable and who, um, who who are receptive to joining them as well. So you you have to have confidence. I think if you're a United fan in Ten Hag, that he will get that right. And as decent and handy and useful a squad player as Fred is, and he has had some real highlights for United over the years he's he's not he's not expendable and he's one of those players that if he were to go I don't think there would ever be a game next season where supporters would be walking away after a defeat or a draw possibly and saying you know we we really missed Fred today you, you're not going to get that so he's, he's been a decent signing over five years and if, if this is his swan song Uh, Then then so be it. I think as I said, it's it seems like I always find it really interesting
0: when Tanag talks about McTominay Actually, because he's always very very complimentary And he says that he's always got an important role to play and how how much of a valued member of the squad he is I mean obviously with his age, his profile, I think his physicality as well He adds a lot to that team physically, you know, his his stature, he's he's the tallest one in the team Obviously him and Varane yeah. He, he looks it, but well, certainly when you go to, yeah. as you have at
1: Carrington, he's, he's and, and I have lad. gone go to Carrington to yeah. see them. He, he, he presence
0: well, at corners, is a... attacking and defensive. Um, when he does play, anyways, when he does play. Um, obviously, it could be Fred's last game, Samuel, at Old Trafford, but could it also possibly be Maguire's last game at Old Trafford? You frowned there because you didn't know what I was going to say. Um, but as if. I don't know which <laughs> as, name. As, as no, uh, yes. if.
1: Cur- that was that was my my <laughs> curious my it, curious me,
0: uh, league think? start of the season on the final day of the season and he'll obviously be very very disappointed at that. Um, he was asked about his game time and he kind of said, "Yeah, look, obviously I'd, I would like to play more, but a club like Manchester United needs a, a big squad." It was a very media trained answer for the club captain, unsurprisingly. Um, but could we see Maguire leave this summer? Is it starting to feel realistic? Because we're talking about the kind of the comments that Tenog makes on McTominay. I think in the last few weeks when I've read McT- uh, Maguire's quotes, it doesn't really seem to me, or it doesn't strike me anyways, as a player that is looking to move or is desperate to move. I know privately behind the scenes that could be completely different, but he's not really giving me that impression that he's, he's desperate to go out there and, and get a start, really, a consistent start. The,
1: the only time where he he sounded Maybe slightly aggrieved about it was when he was yeah. on England duty in March, and he was asked, "Do you feel underappreciated?" He said, "Well, I'm appreciated here." And I thought at the time, "Well, okay, you're saying you're not appreciated at, at United, effectively there, but is that from the supporters who, apart from cheering his substitution against Atletico Madrid last year, they've they've not given him any flack. The match goers, he he actually after I mean, he got booed by England idiots last year." And in the first game back with United that was the only time his uh, crass England chant was was, was, sung it, was his by name a, chanted at Chelsea Minoid, Samuel when you were there on Thursday night?
0: he went out to warm up and obviously I was at home. But I, I couldn't tell if it was the Chelsea fans taking the Michael and in, in singing his name or whether it was whether it was United fans. But he was just he was just out of the warm up. I think it might
1: have just been Chelsea. Oh, was it it like, might yeah. have just been Chelsea fans and their dreadful, dreadful version of of that chant. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's been a really bad season. It feels for football fans' chants. I mean, F- Fulham yesterday. They yeah, not not great at all. Um, to to put it politely, but Maguire's like if he whatever whoever he's referring to with that, what does he expect? Why 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 is he entitled to widespread appreciation? He had a good first season, a decent second season, a nightmare third season, and it's been even worse than the fourth season. And look, he, as you say, he has been media trained to an inch of his life, and that has not helped him either. You had that time Roy Keane said that he sounded like a robot um, when he was doing. Do you a remember his interview, interview before uh, the Liverpool? Game, I get the uh, feeling last
0: season as well. away weird Anfield, that didn't go down well.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, there, there are times when he's just, he's, he's inauthentic, unfortunately, and the the proper captain at United now, Fernandez, is a very, very authentic talker. He's the best talker in the team, so that also doesn't help Maguire's case. But I think there was a United Twitter feed put out a video for Maguire last night. And some of the replies are like, "Ah, oh, damn, I thought this was his farewell message. And, you, you know, it's the predictable stuff from from online fans. But I don't think he's he's ever to his credit. He's not rocked the boat this season. You you look at you look at how Ronaldo conducted himself and what a disgrace he was abandoning his professionalism and um, torching his relationship with the manager, uh, disrespecting the manager. The way he conducted himself was was absolutely appalling. And Maguire, you know, he he would have felt aggrieved, no doubt, that he was dropped as, as quickly as he was uh, at the start of the season. But he's kept his counsel, he's kept his head down. He didn't want to leave in, in in January, understandably so, with United going for three trophies at the time. He has won a winner's medal with United. He lifted the League Cup in, in February. But even that day, the, the manner of his cameo, it was reminiscent of... Wayne Rooney coming on uh, for his final appearance against uh, against Ajax in the Europa League final in 2017, where essentially you are only coming on so that you're you're ready, you're in your kit to, to lift the cup. And that cannot continue for Maguire next season because he's not going to be starting at the start of next season unless, if, if he is still at United, unless there are one or two injuries, because Lindelof has usurped him again, uh, a, a mischievous headline maker when the team news dropped on, on Sunday they'd have gone with Harry Maguire ruled out of FA Cup final because you knew, with Maguire starting and Varane being rested, what what Ten Hag intends to do next week, it's, it's almost certainly going to be Lindelof, Varane as, as the starting centre-backs, and and rightly so. And he was fortunate this season, Maguire, that where the World Cup was in the middle of it, well, it was only a third of the way into the season, I suppose, he could get away with having quite a peripheral role for three months going into a major tournament i don't think come the euros next year he can get away with having what nearly two years as a peripheral figure potentially at united and ex- and still expect to be turning out for england uh in in germany at euro euro 2024 he's also been fortunate that there haven't been many center halves really making a compelling case to take his place i mean tomorrow doesn't get in the squads Tyrone Mings has been brought Tyron back in Mings. from the cold. Erudy is back out in the yeah. cold. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you are still looking at John Stones and Harry Maguire being the centre-backs for the Euros next year. But Maguire does need to play. And and Southgate said last week his situation can't continue. There were, It's going to be an interesting summer for Southgate because there are a lot of his players who could be on the move for different reasons. With Bellingham and Rice, it's are they going to be operating... At a higher level, with Maguire and and Calvin Phillips, they need they need fulfilling playing time uh, next season. And in order to get that, both of them almost certainly I think need if to the England on. carrot
0: wasn't there, he might just be happy just to stay and try to fight for that position. Where he is in the pecking order, but yeah, he, if yeah, he really cares point. what playing for England, doesn't he? And to be fair, he's had some excellent, excellent moments. Yeah, yeah very good. And and he's he played well stage. for England. He always delivers. Yeah. He always really does. Yeah. Um, We'll talk about Ganacho, Samuel, before quickly moving on because he started on the left wing, obviously. Um, I think it Sancho that started against Chelsea and I tweeted I was a bit disappointed. I wanted Ganacho to start. I'd been banging that drum because when you see these performances when Sancho starts, and he's sometimes been fortunate to do so, Ganacho's replaced him, like against Bournemouth. And he's done more in a few minutes than Sancho's probably done throughout that kind of whole game. That was definitely the case uh, against Bournemouth, in my opinion, anyways. Um, but obviously, Garnaccio started uh, yesterday. Yeah. Sancho was on the right. But the biggest problem is, I guess, and it's it's, it's not really a criticism because he's 18 years old and he's, he's still going to have plenty to work on. But he's failing to impact games when he starts, is not he, from, from the first whistle uh, through the 90 minutes. And that was the case, I guess, yesterday. He had a few good chances. He, he hit the... The the woodwork did he in the end. What did you make of his performance? And I guess you're in agreement that that's probably the the case with at the moment. I think to be fair, Tenog said that as well, didn't he? And um, when his contract was signed recently, he said, "Look, the next challenge for him, he needs to start doing it from the start."
1: Yeah, and you could probably count on one hand how many games he's he's properly played well in this season as a starter, and and the first might have been on his full debut against Sheriff, who you know, it's it's FC Sheriff, so uh that's that's not exactly a testing um, a real a real test of of a players readiness in, in in that in that environment he, he did very well against West Ham in the cup when he scored that late winner but he won't be starting in the FA Cup final because I mean as, as, as you've seen with him already he's he's still too raw and um you know he Obviously, he's, he's he's adored Ronaldo, but you go back to when Ronaldo in his first full season at United, when he was 18 and he turned 19, I think, in the in February of it, he, he was he was cutting it as a starter and, and doing it in some pretty significant games. His, his two best performances that season were possibly the FA Cup semi-final against Arsenal when United were big underdogs and then the FA Cup final where he just you know, he tore Millwall to shreds and United... They won 3-0, but the scoreline flattered Millwall. So, you know, high stakes occasions and, and Ronaldo as a 19-year-old, he, he really well and truly turned up. It's, it's completely forgivable for Garnacho to still be feeling his way into that Role as a starter and how it differs from coming on, to in, coming on in a game. Because as you said at Bournemouth, he was electric. The first thing he did was win a corner, and he did a lovely bit of skill getting past Lerma down the left as well. It was right in front of us, and I think there were even oohs like from from the Bournemouth fans when he when he did that out of appreciation because he's he is a talent and United have got a hell of a player on their hands. And really, I think it would be logical to have him on the bench for the cup final because he's shown how many time and again this season as a sub, what a brilliant impact he can he can have. And, and he is one of the game changers available to Ten Hag. So uh, although he he probably should have scored that chance when Malassia laid it to him and he had a decent opportunity, uh, I think a couple of minutes earlier when he, he hit it wide, although he didn't quite crown the end of his league season with, with a goal, he's he's had an exceptional season uh, when you look at it all in, in, in the context of it. I mean, he was... He was pretty much a tourist on the preseason tour because his his attitude wasn't quite right, so he wasn't played by Ten Hag. But it's also easily forgotten that he he came back to preseason early. He was entitled to a three week break, having played in the two long tournament, but he came back early uh, to be to be there on, on Ten Hag's first day. So although he did, you know, he did air a little bit in uh, during the preseason tour, he he'd already you know, shown shown a good attitude coming back early and um, I, there's every chance he'll have an important part to play in the final. Uh, he got the assist for Rashford's winner against City in January and United will need uh, It's it's bound, I think it's due to be quite a hot day as well on Saturday and you have to factor that into preparations for these occasions
0: and United will certainly have some speedy options to turn Penny to. seems to have dropped anyways with his attitude, you, you bang on there um, and I, said, I think I said this recently on the podcast, you just think it was it was the second week in May last year when he played in the, the Youth Cup final and he was so talismanic obviously in that campaign for the under 18s and he left it and one year yeah. on, 12 months later and he's, he's probably going to have a role from, from the bench in the actual FA Cup final at Wembley so it's been a remarkable 12 months for him and I said look at the end of the day usually in usual terms of it progress he'd be in the under 21s but he's now a valued part of that squad and, and fair play to him and long may uh, continue uh, we'll be back in a moment for part 3 anyways that's it for part 2 Samuel, I know I mentioned Tenog's speech at the start there, but for any supporters who didn't see it, obviously there has been clips online, but the game wasn't televised, obviously, well, at least not on the UK. Um, MUTV did show uh, the speech after. Can you paint a picture of what it was like, just just briefly from the press box? Because I thought it was fantastic. It just showed the connection, really, between supporters and the manager and in the, in the club, really, that's been built up again this season, because that was shattered and, and absent uh, last year
1: yeah that it did make a big difference i mean there was no point having the manager make a speech in the at the end of the at the end of last season's final game because it was an interim manager uh, on this occasion united have, have got a permanent manager and a, and a very good one they absolutely got that that decision right in the, in, um, in in april march april last year when they they settled on ten hag and you don't really see him interacting too much with the supporters because he's so he's so focused on what's go, what's going on in the pitch. A lot of managers they do. I mean, Diego Simeone, he's, he's like a he's like a cheerleader. Um, most games with, with Atletico Madrid and and Con- Antonio Conte can be a little bit like that. Um, but but Ten Hag is you know he he's he's not really had that opportunity. Not that managers always have that opportunity, but. You know, i th- i think it was it was it was impressive as i said earlier the the supporters were you know chanting about the glazers and we want glazers out and what have you but when Ten Hag having thanked the players and his staff when he turned his attention to the cup final and I think the words he used as well about how they'll you know they'll give everything to bring the cup back to Old Trafford. Uh, I mean, it, the, the Freudian slip would have been to bring it back to Manchester, which obviously it's a isn't all Manchester final. But he was it was a rousing it was a rousing speech, a succinct speech as well, which was pro- probably made it more effective and and certainly the the best received speech by United fan, but uh, by. by United manager, sorry, since since Ferguson's final one, um all ten years ago against Swansea and the whole uh, you know you know, your job now is to is to get behind our new manager and uh yeah.
0: That worked out well.
1: Yeah, it it, it works out, yeah. <laughs> worked out absolutely appallingly as as some of us anticipated it would. But United are in it, as I said, the, the, the atmosphere yesterday was although it's not completely different from the opening weekend given that there was some mutiny going on back then over the, the the ownership, and and that's only intensified as the season's gone on with the possible takeover um, kicking up, you know, kicking around in the background. Uh, Ten Hag is clearly a presence who who does unite the fan base, and uh, you know, they were chatting about Wembley at the start of the game and at the end of the game yesterday. It's it's been a long time since United had three Wembley trips in a calendar year, and that they're on the right track with him whether they win the cup final or not this has been a this has been a successful season and he's he's kept up his end of the bargain and whatever happens with the ownership situation they've they've got to back him he's he's more than entitled to a similar outlay on 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 new players as, as last summer
0: I was trying to remember if they did a lap of honour last season. I seem to think that they actually scrapped it, but that was the awards I think they I did. that they scrapped. Yeah, I think they, they did. did. It, was so it was just so forgettable, it yeah. Was- yeah so i watched the clip of it on youtube and then <laughs> scurried around sheepishly kind of walked around briefly clapped and, and got back in the changing rooms and um, i don't think many people stayed back and applauded them and, and understandably so no was that was a night two away games i followed that as well that's the thing as well because it was the the third kind of game of the season that wasn't it the last one at old trafford
1: it, it was a long it was a long way before the season ended as well because i think they then played brighton at the weekend and then they didn't have a game for two weeks because you had the FA Cup final before the end of the season so th- that final home game was like almost three weeks before the season ended it was it was very unusual but yeah that, that was the night where when Ronaldo came off a fan turned to Harry Maguire and shouted show some effing respect because he wasn't he wasn't stood on his feet clapping him um, I think it was pretty well publicised by that at that time that there was this the, 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 there was this Power curious struggle. power struggle yeah. between Maguire and, and Ronaldo, which sounds ridiculous even saying it. But Ten Hag, credit to him, he's he's rendered that moot.
0: In another world, Maguire has five Ballon d'Ors and Ronaldo has zero. <laughs> but we don't live in that world. We do not live in no. that world. Samuel, you've just said obviously Ten Hag's held up his end of the bargain. Um, I'll just admit completely. I think I said at the start of the season I had my own doubts personally about whether he succeeded succeed. I looked at his CV and his body of work and. There's clearly potential to be a good manager but U3X by munich 2 uh, go ahead eagles didn't exactly make the cv of a, an ordinary manchester united manager Anyways, it's not usually the route taken obviously success at ajax but i've been pleasantly surprised along the way there has been bumps in the road of course but 27 home wins in the season it's been a match in the club record they finished on 75 points which is second highest in the post alex ferguson era so For me, I think in an 8 out of 10, if we're going back to that scoring um, from earlier, I think a really, really pleasing first season, a promising first season. And as I've said, there have been a few disappointing results. But he's got big decisions, right? And it has been tough. He's lost Ronaldo. He's been replaced by Weghorst, which he mentioned yesterday in his press conference, didn't he? When he talked about his spending. So how have you assessed, really, if you're going to give him a a number, a grade out of 10? Would you agree with me? It would be an 8 out of 10. Or would it be a seven? Or oh, does does that depend? I think you're going to say that depends on the cup final next weekend, probably, doesn't it? Are you?
1: No, it's it's an eight minimum, regardless of the cup final. If they were to win the cup, then I'd I'd have to give him a nine. That that would yeah, make it a great page, season yeah. because the, the you know, what's at stake in in that game. But it's it's the core, it's the core attributes of a manager. He's he's excelled them all in that his his man management is very good. You look at that squad; it's it's quite a big squad, but you don't hear anyone kicking off, uh, which wasn't the case last season. the The results were always going to ensure that players were kicking off, and the, the results this season, by and large, have been good. But there have been there have been, as you say, some some really bad setbacks. They've have been a few shellakings um, sp- sporadically sp- spread across the season. But you look at how he's handled Garnacho from that pre-season season, tour and the attitude not being right and that's his academy legacy already. The The handling of Ronaldo was nigh on flawless. The only mistake he made with Ronaldo was making him captain for his last game against Villa. He, Ronaldo didn't deserve that. Uh, the, the Rashford situation at Wolves where he publicised that he disciplined him. He could have, could have lied but he didn't want to. And then Rashford comes on and scores. I think United have become more certainly a, a, the midfield is a lot more sophisticated now it's a, it's a modern midfield even with two you know, relative warhorses in in casemiro and and eriksen who, who are both 31 but it's it's a midfield worthy of of man united tactically they're much more flexible and um that they're, they're not as they the, it always used to feel like they were behind the curve uh, as as tactically they they couldn't press they only ever had one tactic. Very passive. Uh, with, yeah, with, very, ca- very passive. Yeah, teams. yeah. With with Solskjaer, it was it was counter-attacking play. It was interesting, Solskjaer said the other week when he was at that um, appearance how he wanted to go on the front foot. He didn't like that there were games where he was playing a back three and he was trying to soak up... United were trying to soak up pressure and hit opponents on the counter-attack at home. But that's just someone who, who wasn't a tactician and isn't a tactician as a manager. And, and Ten Hag is. The the important thing when they hired Ten Hag and when they came to that decision last year was that although Manchester United, that position at Manchester United has always been the manager, they needed a coach. And they've got a coach. It was interesting just observing Ten Hag on pre-season and that he'd let his, his assistants oversee training, he'd observe. And then as the session got, went on and on, he would become more and more involved in it, uh, offering his uh, tidbits, offering his advice and ultimately there's there's a new year that's been chiseled onto the honours board with the league cup they're back in the champions league as well i certainly didn't have them down to to make the Champions League at the start of the season sometimes with those predictions you you have to make one just as the season's starting and that was quite early in the transfer window but it was quite a you know that that was quite that, that summer it was quite fraught it wasn't until probably the last 10 days of august with the Liverpool result and signing Casper and signing anthony that all of a sudden things started to look a little bit rosier for for most of the summer it was th- th- there was a lot of anxiety among united fans as to what they were doing in the transfer market and whether they'd they'd actually prop you know sufficiently reinforced the squad and there was the ronaldo they were stuff spending as more well. time
0: inter-railing around europe than they were saying in midfield point, yeah the, the interreeling they were taking yeah. a few trips weren't they but they were they, they
1: they were and and as, as Ten Hag quite rightly pointed out, his press conference, they didn't invest in January. Uh, Newcastle signed Anthony Gordon for a reasonable fee. Gakpo went to Liverpool. Uh, Arsenal signed Leandro Trossard, didn't they? um You know, so there's quite a few clubs around them. In mean, Chelsea, not in the picture, but they they spent a hell of a lot of money. But a lot of their competitors, and you would have you would still regard Chelsea as a competitor as well they did invest in their squads and United had to cut corners really really with with loan deals and and Weghorst has not been a good signer whatsoever it's two goals in 30 games Sabitzer has been quite a useful loan signing I'd, I'd argue Butland was just filler just a backup so he's he's done very well at all core levels as I said man management coaching recruitment uh, results trophies Like if you want to look at the, the essential pillars of, of an elite manager an elite coach I think he's done pretty damn well uh, after his first season
0: I'll give him credit for assembling a, a good coach and staff as well you just kind of mentioned observing yeah. Steve McLaren, Mitchell van der Garg Eric Ramsey ben, Benny McCarthy they've all played their role having their improving players and, and getting the best out of that squad and it was an interesting little graphic I saw actually, Samuel, it was a keep or sell from last season where supporters kind of voted for obviously which players would like to keep, um, and you look at some of the players, I mean 50% kind of want to get rid of Rashford, Shaw, and some of the most important players now of that squad, and, and that coaching staff and Ten Hag corks them back to the best, and obviously the players deserve the most credit for that as well, for, for getting their form again. Um, if we just look at it quickly, then Samuel, because we're run out of time. But there is an FA Cup final <laughs> this week, um, a, a big game. How do how do Manchester United stop City? Because we've, we've we've touched upon it. They're a different beast at the moment. Pep's been Pep Guardiola's been tinkering with that team all season, and all of a sudden he gets to the spring and he's got this settled side. Um, Ruben Dias has come back in the defense haaland Halland's been banging in goals for fun all season. To be fair. Um, but they're, they're going to be a, a real challenge to, to beat at Wembley, aren't they? But it's not impossible. United defeated City in, in January 2-1 with them two quick-fire goals. And I think what you were talking about earlier with uh, Fernandes on the wing and possibly Fred in midfield with Casemiro, that worked in January. Do you think that's going to be seen again? Do you think Ten going to lean that way? I could certainly
1: see Fernandes starting on the wing. I'd, I'd almost be surprised if he's not on the wing there's there's an element of doubt still about Anthony, but Ten Hag gave quite an upbeat update on him on on Sunday, but the way it's going it's almost where Anthony's had his season interrupted and he'll have gone will have been ten ten days going into that game without without any real proper training it still feels like you know I think the chance of him starting are still quite slim um. You know, he'd he'd have to be a really essential component of Ten Hag's plans for him to be starting the cup final, and and maybe he was and is, and and Ten Hag is is banking on him being fit. And Ten Hag has said repeatedly, so repeatedly, that he clearly believes that that United play better with Marshall starting, and th- there were certain giveaways. It felt yesterday during that Fulham game where Eriksson was rested, Varane was rested, and and Marshall coming out of the team. I. I I would probably, if I'm doing educated guesswork here, I'd probably have, I probably think that Marshall will start with Rashford on the left. There, there may be seven or eight players who are absolute essentials for for the cup final. I'd say De Gea, Fernand, Shaw, Casemiro, Ericsson, Rashford, Fernandez. Now Lindelof has to start because he's been starting all the games. She'd, you'd probably throw him in there. I think. Wan-Bissaka is probably, given that he's started the majority of games I'd be recently, bullish. I'd
0: be, yeah, I'd be quite bullish about him starting Wan-Bissaka. I think it's almost yeah. guaranteed. I think yeah, I think... That, I, I mean,
1: Grealish right. has had a really good season and think that Ten Hag would probably trust him, trust Wan-Bissaka more against him than, than dallow And looking at the other positions, you're probably thinking Fred, you're probably thinking Marshall, and think that's I think that's it. Um, but I still think it would be... In United's interests, and they'll be working on these things at the training ground, of course, but to have some element of surprise about them in that maybe a player is not starting where you'd expect him to be starting. I remember the Champions League final in 2008, the way United lined up. The the surprise was that Jason Park wasn't even in the squad, which he was, I think, pretty much in every newspaper that morning going over to Moscow. He He was on the graphics to be starting the game. And in the end, Ferguson went with uh, Carrick, Hargreaves and Scholes as his three midfielders. But Avram Grant later admitted this. United looked like they're in a 4-3-3 or 4-3-2-1. But all of a sudden, kick, game kicks off and United are playing 4-4-2. And Chelsea didn't know what to do. Um, their their plans, their preparation went out the window in an instant. And United, I mean, they, they did obliterate them in that first half, but somehow went in... Uh, at one one, when when Chelsea got quite a late equaliser, but United was so dominant, they had three or four other clear cut chances aside from Ronaldo's goal. And Ferguson was not exactly renowned for being a, a master tactician. He everyone knew of him for his great man management. And although he would try and adapt his tactics, it was man management. It was motivation. Those were his. That's what you think of when you think of him. So it's you know I'd be open to seeing what. It'd be interesting to see what United do, but you would almost advise that Ten Hag and his coaching staff in, in that adjoined room that they have at Carrington, and they, they even have a Sabutio table there out, they play around the Sabutio pieces to see what they can, they can concoct at times. You would advise them to try and you know, come up with something innovative and, and unexpected because they're coming up against such an awesome team. Uh, and it was interesting reading Wayne Rooney's column on in, in the Sunday Times. He he suggested that United go with four four two four midfielders, and um, and Marshall and Rashford up front. And I think the the phrase he used was cheat a bit and leave two players up top, and prey on the counter attack. It it's it's an interesting suggestion. I, I, I don't think United will be doing that. It seems like their four two three one has been pretty sacrosanct this season. Um, and also you're coming up such, against a brilliant team that you are going to need everyone working hard and, and tracking back. And although that might mean players tiring, you've you've got decent players in reserve. And the issue they'd have if they were playing four midfielders, they have a shortage of midfielders. There's no Sabitzer, So you're going to need someone on the bench, probably McTominay. And he could have an important role to play. He did quite well in the League Cup final when him and Sabitzer came on that seemed to take the game away from Newcastle, I thought, at that point, so I didn't think United were managing the game very well at all in the second half. But their energy, it, it did dent um, the, the, the momentum that, that Newcastle were, were trying to build to get back into the game. So who knows what Ten Hag will do? And um, it, I suppose it would almost be slightly disappointing if um, we all... Correctly predict his team and, and in, in, in that formation. But if, if if they do that and if they win, then nobody's going to care because that will you know they'll have won the FA Cup.
0: Question is Samuel, before we leave, uh, before we end the podcast, do the press pack have a the oh. table for tomorrow morning <laughs> for the game against United's media staff, communication staff? That's the question. Because Samuel, where are you where are you going tomorrow? Well, uh, yes, yeah. Well, you, sh-
1: I, I wish you were joining me, but you're not. But tomorrow is uh, Tuesday. It's it's the press game. It's the press against the United uh, media staff. Neil Custis is our manager again, uh, as he was last season. He was scr- scribbling down the the team on his notepad yesterday. Um, trying to get his, you know, I've I, I've had quite the role change this year. I, I've gone from right back last year to uh, <laughs> the left wing. Le, to left to left wing this this year. Uh, uh, Laurie Whittle said, "Oh, an inverted mid, quite inverted winger." I I said more like yeah. in, invented winger. Uh, I'm, I'm under a great <laughs> deal of pressure there, but yeah, it's it's a shame you're not you're not going to be. Well, I've got in that sleepless nights.
0: I've I've been having sleepless nights missing that game, but there is a good reason I am going to see Bruce Springsteen. So. I'm in transit when the game is going on and I've always wanted to see the boss, the real boss and it's probably going to be his last dance. And I I said today to a colleague, I was like, to be fair, he's probably going to be wheeled out on a Zimmer for him at this point because Springsteen is that old now. I've been watching clips and he's definitely getting on. Um, So there's always next year for me, Samuel. Give us a report. So so uh, I I suppose, Stephen, for tomorrow,
1: where you could have been at Old Trafford, you will not be having a glory day.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Clip uh I want the editor. I'm it clipped, <laughs> up, it clipped up and put it on Twitter now. Oh my god. I'll be dancing in the dark. You'll tomorrow be dancing anyways. in the dark. Uh, yes, yes, I certainly will. Thanks for your time, Samuel. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy your day in Denver. Uh, I certainly will. And thanks to listeners as usual. Head across to YouTube, check it out with taking over with subscribers and head across to all the audio platforms to get the podcast, Spotify, Apple, etc. Have a great week and take care.